Welcome to the Firearms Trainers Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and in this episode, we'll be talking about differences in teaching men and women. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearm Trainers Association. Head on over to their website, ftaprotect.com, to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Mantis X. The Mantis X is a must-have for any serious firearm instructor. The Mantis X is a high-tech, lightweight precision sensor that attaches to a gun, analyzes the shooter's movement patterns, and displays all the information in real time on a smartphone or tablet. The Mantis X gives instructors objective, data-driven feedback on things the human eye can't see so that they can coach your students more effectively. Get 10% off with code FTP10 at mantisx.com. That's M-A-N-T-I-S-X dot com. Today, we'll be talking to Beth Alquazar. She has a bachelor's, a master's in education, and a master's in art. Creator of Pacifier and Peacemakers blog and author of Women's Handgun and Self-Defense Fundamentals. She serves as associate editor of the women's section in the USCCA award-winning Concealed Carry magazine and is a certified farm instructor through the NRA Six-Hour Academy, Well on Women program, Draw School, ICE training, and Alice Institute, and is also a senior training counselor for the USCCA. Welcome, Beth. How are things going for you today? Well, thanks so much for having me. Things are really great, and I'm really pumped up about the topics that you've got planned for us. <laughs> Very important stuff to me on so many levels. <laughs> it's, it's one of these things when you, when you start talking about teaching men and women the differences, uh, people always bring them up, but I always bring them up that every student is individual, and as yeah. an instructor, you've got to know how to reach out to them and overcome those barriers that they bring. And I think the easiest thing is, you know, you got men, you got women, but then you've got yeah. a whole bunch <laughs> of different variations between their degrees that people bring to class that you've got to know how to overcome and being a, a good instructor. Can you give our listeners uh, from your experience, what are some of the most obvious differences when you're teaching men and women uh, a subject such as concealed carry, home defense, something like that? Oh, yes. Uh, you know, and it's so great that you mentioned the different kinds of learning styles that you come across. Honestly, as instructors, I don't think there's any way for us to cater to each one of those all the time. But I think there's such an important important aspect to the awareness of these things, these elements that could affect the way that you present material, uh, the way that people hear it, accept it, use it, understand it. All those things are so vital to make sure that we are presenting information clearly in a way that people can grasp it and use it, especially when it comes to firearms knowledge. This is such an important topic and we can't just sweep that all under the rug and pretend it doesn't exist. So yeah, when we deal with men and women, there are a lot of very obvious differences and a lot of differences that are key for especially the firearms instructor. When we're talking about everything from physical distinctions, I mean, if I had to kind of number um, maybe four things that kind of stand out, physically, we're very different. And that's um, not just body size or strength. That also deals with very specific differences of how the brain is structured. So with that is kind of also our mental distinctions, um, how we process information, how it's different um, from gender to gender. And it's such a unique and interesting study. I mean, when you really get into the depth of it, it, it is very 
eye-opening to say the least. So physical, mental, emotional as well is, is a very different distinction between the male and female student um, in the classroom, especially firearms. There are some sensitivities that I think instructors need to have regarding that. And of course, with that as well, our social distinctions, how we interact or what our expectations are. And with that, how we communicate with one another. We have differences in the way that we are using our communication as far as word choice, but also communication as far as nonverbal cues, the gestures or the eye contact or lack thereof, different things there that are nuances, but sometimes speak volumes, both uh, from the instructor side and from the student side. So those are kind of four distinctions just right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's little nuances as far as how the instructor sets the tone from the beginning of the class can either be very welcoming and yeah. I'm here to help everybody or can be one of those things to where don't question me, I'm here, we're going to get out of here by five o'clock, so don't interrupt me type of uh, attitude. And that's yeah. one of those things that instructors 100% in control of. They've got to make oh, yeah. the environment welcoming. Um, yes, yeah. and you, when you're dealing with a class that's co-ed, versus a class that maybe might be all male versus all female, there are such differences in the way that you would approach that, the way that you would even design the classroom, the way that you would uh, maybe even dress. I mean, we want to dress professionally as instructors, but for instance, if I'm teaching one of the women's classes that I offer, and these are all brand new shooters, most of them probably haven't even touched a gun, might even be very fearful of firearms, it might not be the best thing for me to come in dressed, you know, tactical from top to bottom with my gear on, you know, the firearm on the hip, the extra magazines that can be very intimidating. Even if I have a cert pistol in the holster, they don't realize that to them, that is all very real and could be very frightening and might be, might be, I don't know, might put them off just a little bit. Um, for a lot of those classes, I might just wear something very casual, very simple, very quote unquote normal. And I kind of want them to see themselves in me. I want them to see, yes, I have all this training and experience. And yes, I've worked very hard as an instructor, as, an, as a firearms instructor as well. But maybe they can see kind of a mirror of themselves. I'm first and foremost, I'm a mom with a gun. Mm -hmm. And if I go in with that attitude and Yes, I'm in control of the room, and yeah, I might be the subject matter expert, but if that kind of stands at the forefront, it's a very different atmosphere than for a woman walking into a class maybe with someone with military or law enforcement background, and they are dressed head to toe in what they would traditionally or typically see as the tactical kinds of dress for training. Mm -hmm. De definitely. And it can be intimidating to any anybody, especially yeah. when it comes to women. Uh, I prefer to go with what I would call, you know, a business casual kind of look in the classes that I teach. Unless, of course, if I know I'm going out and I'm teaching an advanced class, I'm going to be kneeling down the ground, oh, yeah. laying on the ground, <laughs> doing different things. Okay, my range gear does come, come out for that because there again, you're trying you're trying to be safe at the same time as you're trying to be practical about it. But right. when those beginning classes being approachable and having students as you say see themselves in you it's extremely important if they go along yeah. and they look at you and it's like there's no way in the world i can afford the $2,500 STI pistol on your <laughs> yeah. hip and, you know, that belt and everything's, you know, you got to have $500 in that alone, not to mention all the other gear you have, not to mention you wear your sponsor shirt. They're going to go along. It's like, yeah, there's no way I can aspire to that. But if they look like anybody normal, but you've got yeah. a instructor shirt on, then they're like, Hey, 
I could be that person and I can listen to them and understand how things would apply a little bit when you go along and start talking about, hey, I'm going to be carrying appendix carry or this is how you carry it outside the waistband or inside the waistband, right. all those types of things. And that's a very good analogy that I think I'll, I'll use in the future, Beth, about going along and seeing yourself, how the students yeah. see themselves in you because that's yes. uh, very, very important. It helps as far as, you know, knowing your audience. We talk a lot about just in the world of academia, if you're teaching a class about, you know, how to, how to be a better uh, speaker. I mean, just better speech writer, speech presenter across the board, doesn't matter. Knowing your audience is always something that really stands out. And I feel that sometimes maybe as instructors and specifically firearms instructors, maybe we miss out on that. Maybe we aren't taking enough time to just put ourselves in that thought process. You know, what are they expecting? What are they thinking? Um, sometimes for firearms instructors, especially with those teaching brand new students, I find that people forget that that terminology that we're so used to is completely foreign and brand mm -hmm. new. And we're speaking way above their heads a lot of times with all this jargon just piling on top and they're uncomfortable or embarrassed or unsure. I mean, honestly, the word magazine to us, very clear, very easy, very simple but you've got a brand new class of students who aren't familiar with firearms, firearms knowledge. They're not quite sure what that even means. Yeah, I, got, I got an automatic clip that I need to put in my yeah. gun or something else like that. Yeah. We know it's right. wrong. But they, <laughs> they get things messed up. And I think one of the things and early on in the podcast, we had Ken Hackathorne on and what he talked about was, are we giving this what the students want or what yeah. they need? Because yes. if they sign up just for a concealed carry class, they want that certificate to say, Hey, you know, I'm, I can go and apply for my license, mm -hmm. but if they real, what do they really need? They need to understand the safety. They need to understand yeah. the jargon. They need to understand a lot more than just getting a piece of paper. And that's where we as instructors really need to make sure that we're giving them what they need. Because my analogy that I always tell the instructors when I teach uh, my instructor classes is, Keep one thing in mind. You never know what that person's going to do with mm. the certificate once you give it to them. Mm. But if you've got any questions about them standing behind your family at the checkout line at Walmart, then you probably should go along and spend yes. a little bit extra more time with them to make sure they know what they're doing because yeah. that's what we're enabling uh, people to be able to be in line yeah. church, at you know Walmarts, at you know, your grocery store. And we all know bad things happen at those places yeah. and they may pull out their gun and feel like they need to defend themselves. Well, it's great if they know how to do it properly. There's a whole nother one where it's like, nope, I wouldn't want them standing behind me, you know, no matter what. Well, then maybe you should think about the certificate you give them. Maybe you should right. think about, hey, let's spend an extra half hour on the range and make sure you understand what you need to do. Uh, those types of things until you're, you're comfortable with it. Because once you give the certificate to them, yeah, they're, they're off. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you're hoping you did the best job you could. Yeah. And that's, that's such a great way to think about it too, especially in my area when I'm teaching a lot of these classes for women. Um, this is my community. Oftentimes these are my neighbors. These are friends of my friends. These are people we do attend church with, or we've been in, I don't know, small groups with. It's people that you recognize and that you know. And while that's an awesome responsibility, I mean, how exciting is it to be able to think that I might be able to effectively, responsibly, arm my neighbors, my friends, my community. That's fantastic. But I mean, yeah, that's, that's something we really have to think about. And we really have to, you know, kind of dig down through the layers and see how much more we're willing to commit to make sure this turns out properly. <laughs> yeah. As instructors, we've, we've got that within our power of going along yes. and saying, Hey, you know, I see you've got 
you've got a lot of heart and want to get your license, but maybe you need to come back again. Yeah. And come, come back next week. We'll do the class over again, free of charge. But I really want to make sure you understand these principles because once you pull the gun and press that trigger, yeah. you can't put the bullet back in the gun. And those are all things that knowing, yeah. your, ball, knowing your firearm are extremely important to make sure that you stay out of jail um, or at the least get, you know, get sued because you injured somebody accidentally. Yeah. And what's, what's really interesting too, about even this topic is that I find that more women are probably apt to come up to you and tell you, Ooh, I don't know if I'm ready for this concealed carry thing yet. Or they might say, what do I need to do now? What's my next step? They're more willing to say, I need more training. I need more classes. Um, how do I do this? What's the plan? I, I can't say that that doesn't happen with guys. I mean, sure it does, but I think women, again, just because of how different we are and the way that we think, they seem to really want to be sure of everything and really break down all the details, all the nuances, really be comfortable with the small things before making those bigger commitments like carrying every day on body or having a self-defense gun for the home or whatever the case may be, especially if they have kids. So it's a good thing, um, but it's also very you know, I guess interesting for us as instructors, because we got to be ready for that. And we got to be really ready to answer that what's next, or what steps should I take? Or how do I do this? Because I get that a lot. How do I do this? I mean, this is a great class, but now what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do I how do I go out there and feel comfortable with it? And I know yeah, a yeah. lot of what, what I talk people through and coach people through is you think about it, you've got keys or you've got a multi-tool in your pocket, something else like that. Do you even think twice about it? Yeah. But in the right hands, all those things could be a deadly weapon. Yes. And once yes. they're like, oh, I see. I said, so you go along, get, get a good holster for your gun mm-hmm. and carry it responsibly. And A, people aren't going to look at you any different because you're the only one that knows that you're carrying concealed. Right. And B, you're only going to reach for it if there is a true cause for doing it. Yeah. And it's just trying to make it a normal part of your life all the time. And normally yeah. they realize normal. Hey, every day. Yes. <laughs> look, look at that. You know I mean? I, I put it on just like I put my wallet in my pocket or the, my yeah. keys in my pocket or th- those types of things. And it, it just takes people to get over a few, few hurdles before they actually, you know, feel comfortable with it. Then a month later, all of a sudden they find out it's like, I've been caring for a month in the first week I was looking at everybody. Yeah. And I figured yeah. out like, Nobody was looking at me, which made me feel really self-conscious. And I was like, right, because they don't say anything different. And you yeah. go to the store, go along and figure out, I think, the last average I heard, at least in Ohio where I'm at, they said that about one out of every uh, 50 people is carrying concealed Ooh, around, wow. which is yeah. one of those things where it's like, Okay. Interesting uh, you thought. Know, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I guess go to go to grocery, go to Walmart, go to all these different places, and figure out you know who is and who isn't. Um, honestly, I've only caught a couple people, and yeah. that's because they were printing, and and I cheat a little bit because it was at places where you expect them to be carrying. Oh, you know, sure. At, at gun <laughs> and, and and gun shops, yeah. things like that. So I was like, yeah, I can see that person. But when it comes to Walmart, yeah, I've never caught anybody actually in Walmart. Uh, carrying, even though I'm sure there there were plenty of people in the Walmart uh, carrying mm-hmm. just in case something goes down. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, uh, you know, that's definitely something too. I think a lot of people have questions about, you know, what is normal? Where, where can I carry? You know, where do you carry? Um, how do you feel comfortable? I mean, I've been to parties 
weddings, funerals, church services across the board. And I have my gun on me. And I think for some, they're like, what, why, you know, and the bottom line is I'm still going to live my life as if I don't have it. I'm still going to go the places I'm comfortable with and avoid the places I'm not. I'm still going to use that as my last resort. I'm not going to even imagine that it's there as an option under certain circumstances. But I think, you know, that mindset is so important. And that's part of the process of learning and part of the process of training. And again, if you're thinking about even the differences between men and women, uh, I think for some women, it might actually be easier to grasp how the firearm actually fits in everyday normal life. Because I wish this was my example, but it's not. But the author, uh, Chad Eastham, came up with this um, analogy that men are like waffles, women are like spaghetti. So when you think about it, men are very compartmentalized in their thinking. Um, It's kind of symmetrical. It's kind of logical. It's kind of, you know, spaced in a certain way, one thing at a time. That's very descriptive of the waffle when you think about the pattern of what it looks like. But a woman, we're, you know, the way we think, the way our minds work, it's spaghetti, which means there's a lot of crossover, a lot of interactivity, a lot of interwoven networks and strands. So when a woman is coming to these firearms classes, she's not just thinking, hey, how can I learn to carry and shoot a gun? She's thinking, you know, how do I incorporate this in my everyday life? What are my friends going to think about me if they find out that I carry? Um, How's my wardrobe going to change? How do I teach my children? You know, she's constantly bringing all these aspects into play, which is also a very good thing, Mm -hmm. but a big challenge, again, for us as instructors to be ready for that because we, as women, think differently. Our expectations in the class are going to be different. And for some instructors, they're going to be caught by surprise if they haven't considered that, that our lives are so interconnected. I mean, even when I do competition shooting, my husband's like, well, what are you thinking about when you're about to shoot? I'm like, well, let's see grocery shopping, what I need to make for dinner. I'm thinking about, you know, the kids' homework. I'm thinking about, did I feed the dog? I'm thinking about what, you know, there's so many things that are pop-ups. And I'm like, why? What do you think about? He's like, well, I just think about shooting. And I was like, wow, that must be nice because it doesn't seem to work for me that way. (laughs) So it's just an interesting, I love it, waffles and spaghetti, an interesting thing for teachers to kind of put in their perspective when they're planning classes, teaching classes, interacting with these students and the different genders. Um, just remember that's a significant way we think differently and, and, and how that actually affects our training, mm-hmm. you know? And Beth, one, one thing, uh, you got a lot of experience talking with women and things like that. And one of the things I know, I see a big difference in how men approach violence versus women approach violence because face it most males are maybe not i mean they're larger than females but at the same same time uh we were brought up you know we fight with our brothers we're you know get into fist fights we do different things like that yeah we're we're more prone to i guess violent outbursts uh and Eating that violence with violence type of thing to where okay you know if you're gonna you know punch me i'm gonna come back and punch you from a women's standpoint, it's a little different because they don't have the same approach to violence, uh, you know, just just from how they were raised and everything. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think it's uh, kind of more of a, a social perspective and an acceptance for men or not even acceptance, but almost expectation for men to, I guess, be able to behave this way, you know, whereas 
you know, guys are a tussle and, you know, fight and, you know, rough and tumble, that kind of thing. Women are more poised and gentle and, and we're supposed to be very nurturing and accommodating. And I think here in the South, I'm in Alabama, I think that's even more so. Uh, Southern women, you know, especially, we have to be so nice. And I think that can be a real big problem as far as a, a maybe a barrier to the mindset. Guys seem to have an easier, I guess, overall attitude change or acceptance of yeah switch life fast. yeah it's totally like, someone's been there and, yeah. and done it we don't feel any societal pressure of not right to do it. yeah there's nobody looking in bad or looking down at you or saying well that's not appropriate or whatever it's kind of like oh yeah that's that's just a man's response it's typical it's natural if someone treats him that way he's going to automatically you know fight back whatever the case may be for a woman, it's almost embarrassing, you know, oh gosh, we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. We don't want to upset anybody. And I seem to spend a lot of my time teaching women that, well, not even really teaching them, but giving them permission to do whatever it takes under any circumstance mm-hmm. to make sure that they're safe. And, and a huge, simple example to that is um, a lot of times we're approached at the gas station, you know, okay, the gas station is just like the watering hole of the human world, right? I mean, we have to go there. And every um, person of every background and every experience level and every job, every person is going to be there at some point in time. They have to put gas in the car. So you never know what you might encounter. Well, a lot of times we're approached by that person, male or female, young or old, hey, I need some money or hey, I need some help. And I tell women, you don't have to be nice. You need to be a good person, but you don't have to be nice, which means if that person makes you uncomfortable, tell them to stop. Tell them to back up. Yes. Use your voice. It can be a great first option for stopping what could be a potential threat by just saying, hey, back up. I'm not comfortable. You stay away, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. A normal person under that circumstance, a normal person, living, breathing human being with good intentions under that circumstance would be like, oh, sorry, lady. You know, they would back off, go away, slink away, be embarrassed, whatever the case may be. But someone with bad intent is going to go, you know, what's wrong? I just, I just need to, I just need to borrow your phone or I just need some cash or whatever. That should be the, the high alert. And again, Mm -hmm. don't be nice. You don't have to be kind in those circumstances. Well, as I go along, say safe. you got to go into uh, mama bear mode. You know, totally, where absolutely. You realize you know the kids are in the in the car. Oh gosh, even more the, so. Or the kids are at home, and what I'm what I tell people about it is even if the kids are home, you've got to go to mama bear because you've got to make you it home. Go home. So that's what yep. you're worried about. You're not worried about yes. somebody's feelings, and that's right. put it this way. If you end up yelling at somebody, get away because their car really is broken down or something else like that. You can always make a phone call. That's right. Way and saying, "Hey, there's some guy there, you know, yep. trying to get somebody's attention, and you know, his car's broken down, and the police will swing on by and, and check out what's going on." So, I mean, there is a way to be. Yeah, there's <laughs> options. <laughs> but you don't, you don't have to be the person who goes no. along and makes yourself vulnerable because what happens when that person gets closer? Oh, you know, I just need your phone, and that right. gets closer and closer. I mean, we all right. know the training industry about the tooler rule about yes. 21 feet. Now, yes. some police agency have extended that out to 30 feet mm-hmm. ran the drill you know just how quickly that can yeah. be covered very very rapidly and that's assuming that you're able to shoot somebody to stop them 
Yeah. We all, right. we always talk about, Hey, if that, if that's not a debilitating shot, that person's got enough momentum, they'll make it to you. And if they've got a knife or they've got a gun themselves, you could be in, in a real big trouble for it. And that's where I go along and tell people you got to go into mom, mama bear mode. And yeah. if you've got to go along and say, sorry, I didn't rec- I didn't know, didn't see you with the hat on, you know, I didn't know you were my friend next door neighbor, yeah. something else like that. But Hey, they would also probably say, well, I, I probably shouldn't have snuck up at, from you b- behind. I should have went along, called out with plenty of distance so that people, so that you knew who I mm-hmm. was versus just sneaking up at, at, on you at the gas pump because that's a very vulnerable place. We see it a is. lot of uh, yeah. a lot of video these days of people being attacked at gas pumps, and that's because oh, yeah. you're preoccupied. And as you said, everybody has to go there sometime during the week to gas up their car, no matter yeah. what. Yeah. So if we, yeah, if we can just teach more women that, you know, you have permission to do these things and you have permission to feel safe and you, I mean, I've had to give my kids the same permission. If anyone tries to snatch you or makes you uncomfortable, you have permission to do what it takes to protect yourself. And they look at me like, what? I mean, I can kick and yell and scream. Yes, all those things. Absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think that that's part of the mindset. But, you know, it works the same way for guys, just it's a slightly different attitude. I have a lot of guys come to the class with the superhero mentality. They're wearing their cape, you know, and they're thinking, I have a gun. I can save the world. And you have to ask them the same question and, and talk to them the same way you just spoke about women. If you have kids at home, you have a family at home, you need to think about them. You know, what decision is going to bring you home to them? Is it worth uh, going to jail over? Is it worth killing over? Is it worth dying over? All of us have to make sure that those considerations are at the forefront of our brain. And we have thought about it now and considered what our options are and made those decisions before we ever encounter that situation where it has, it has to happen so lickety split. We don't have time to think. We just have time to do. Exactly. And even if you're single and you don't have a yeah. family yet, oh, yeah. um, you've still got parents, you still have siblings, uncles, aunts, grandparents to go back to. Yeah. And you got to think about that as your family going back to. And those are things that yeah. will motivate us to do what it takes in order to survive and persevere through an instance. And I always go along and tell people that like, you know, I'll just go along and I've I've got the fast draw bill, shoot and do this and that. And it's like, wait a minute, this isn't the old West. You're not John Wayne. You're not going to be able to shoot the gun out of somebody's hand. And we had Andrew Bronca on one of the first episodes. And one of the things he talks Mm. about constantly is if you go along and walk away before a confrontation, that's, that's a win because if you're in the middle of a confrontation, you have a greater than 0% chance of getting injured. And who's, you know, dying. I mean, if somebody shoots you and just has that lucky shot, you could end up dying or could be disfigured or at least case you spend a couple of days in the hospital where your family's Mm -hmm. all around you wondering, is he going to pull out or not? And those Mm -hmm. are all things that I know I wouldn't want to put my family through. And I'm sure you wouldn't want to put your family through either. No, very, yeah, definitely very important. And again, something we want people to think about and consider now, I mean, Mm -hmm. make those decisions, run through those scenarios Ask yourself the tough questions. What are you willing to do? What are you willing to walk away from? And avoid escape, defend. You know, that that's a principle I think we all abide by as much as we possibly can. Because, yeah, that's our only guarantee. The only guarantee is to avoid it in the first place. And I would take that every time if I can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when somebody's like, you know, I'll fight for my honor. Well, how much yeah. is your honor really worth? No, no, no. Are you, no. Are you willing to die <laughs> over it? Are you willing to go along and put your family through those kind of situations? Right. And, and it, I mean, that mentally and physically changes you uh, for life. 
no matter the outcome, are you willing to go through that? Yep. With, with, without a doubt. And those are, uh, those are things that you said, we've got to talk through them now Yeah. and with our family. So they understand we got to think through it, you know, how far are we willing to, to push something yeah. um, in order to get back home to them. And if we're not able to, what, what are we, what are we going to do to get home? Type yeah. of thing. Are we willing to walk 10 miles home because our, our car broke down or somebody stole our car? You know, we're out in the middle of some rural areas. Are we willing to go along and, you know, you know, bite and scratch and scream in order to get it? Or are we willing to go along and use our, you know, firearm in order to do it and then pay the consequences, whatever those are for us to be able to go along and see our family? Because whether it's legal use of it, right? Uh, we still are going to have consequences. Yep. Uh, you know, somebody's going to try to sue us uh, civilly. Somebody's going to go along yes. and ask us <laughs> in, in our church or someplace, you know, friends, did you really have to go along and do that? Um, you right. just look at the national stories that come across anymore yeah. about a police officer shooting or a citizen shooting. We're like, well, did they really have to? You know, it was done this way and that way. And everybody's second guessing you and nobody's asking yeah. or looking what happened in, in that 30 second time frame. by the time you saw them, by the time they, they were on top of you, you only had one mm -hmm. choice left to you to, do, to make sure you make it home. Yeah. And those are all scary things to consider. You don't like talking to kids about, but at the same yeah. time, if our kids are old enough to start going to school, they need to know, like you said, parameters, oh, yes. that they're allowed to do what they're not allowed to do because somebody tries to take a kid, they should fight mm. you know, as hard as they can to get away from it. And also too, know who who's safe to run to yeah you know, yeah when, when i when i was in uh, grade school i can remember there were houses on our street in the neighborhood that mm -hmm. had yellow signs that said you know they were safe houses that you could knock on it and they would let you come in as a safe house uh, for it. but we don't do that these days yeah. anymore but these kids still need to know okay go go into a store go into yeah. trusted neighbors you know don't be alone go with friends just different things like that to to hopefully uh, prevent anything from happening because mm -hmm. something that's avoided, you'll never have to worry about. Even right. if you survive something, you're still going to have those emotional scars from having to survive that instance. And you'd hate to put a kid through that. Oh, absolutely. Well, Beth, you gave us quite a bit to think about today. Uh, really great to have you on. Where can people find more information about uh, Beth Aquazar and what you're doing these days? Well, there are a couple options. You can definitely find me on Facebook. Um, uh, myself, I use the Pacifiers and Peacemakers with Beth Alcazar Facebook page. And that includes a lot of my personal schedule, appearances, speaking, training, things like that. Uh, because I work with the USCCA, however, there's also a Beth Alcazar page on Facebook that is connected directly with USCCA and what we're doing and things that we're working on in that kind of realm. So you can also find articles and stuff through the USCCA website. Uh, that's where I have a, I guess it's kind of a blog post that comes out every Tuesday and some of the articles that I've written will also come out or some of the videos. Um, that's probably one easy way to find that as well as if anyone's interested in the women's handgun self-defense fundamentals book, you can find that in the USCCA store. <laughs> Very good. Very good. I got, I got a couple copies of those my, myself that I've uh, passed out to different people because it is awesome. a very good book and one that's centric on yeah. uh, the female shooter and, and such. So they kind of understand it for a little differently because if you teach long enough, you realize that people have different learning styles and yeah. if they can't learn, then 
then you're, you're obviously have missed the mark somehow. And we yeah. all want to make sure that people in our classes learn properly. That's true. Well, that about wraps up this episode. We have a few requests for our loyal listeners. Visit our sponsor, Firearm Trainers Association. Check out their instructor coverage. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. And remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off on their policies. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts at. We also want to ask you to go along and tell other instructors about this. We've had a great panel of guest speakers over the last uh, dozen or so episodes. We're going to continue that in the upcoming couple dozen episodes. We want to get as many people listening to the great news that we've got for everybody. We want to ask you to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and like us on Facebook. If you have any input, questions, ideas on future episodes, feel free to email us at ftp at concealedcarry.com. And remember, we bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every fire instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe and remember to take somebody to the range. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.